As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's Straight Out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, an overdose of big, thick energy helps Chelsea shine at San Siro. We look ahead to the trip to Villa Park, round up the rest of the Chelsea news, and yes, do a quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. Here we are again then, gang. Uh, everything's fine in the world of Chelsea FC at the moment, isn't it? Wind's coming thick and fast under Graham Potter. We're going to reflect on the latest of those and look ahead to the weekend's game as well. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, in the company of the Athletics Chelsea expert, Simon Johnson, fresh from Milan. This podcast, right? Cue the music. I want it brought into association with the Proclaimers... I'm going to walk 500 miles or whatever it's called because the amount of walking I've done because of the, the train strike at the weekend and then the train's not working in Milan, it feels like I've walked 500 miles covering Chelsea and my legs feel it. They say nurses have it tough, eh? You have to go to the San Siro to watch a football game. I had to walk there All the back. way up that nice cylinder in the corner, Matt. That must have been horrendous. <laughs> and then... And then having walked, I only just made kickoff, and then it was the psychological blow of, yeah, the press, your press seat is right up all these stairs, and it just finished me off. Anyway, so yes, <laughs> cue the music. Uh, that other voice you heard was Sam Parkin, Chelsea Academy graduate. How are you doing, Sam? Very good, Matt. Good to see you. Mm, likewise. Um, well, Simon's not long back from Milan, the lucky devil. We'll hear all about that next. Kovacic. They've worked this beautifully, and Aubameyang, brilliant finish, that's what he does. 2-0 to Chelsea, it was a very, very slick Chelsea move. Aubameyang scores for the third time since his move to Chelsea. To come here and and win is um, certainly not easy, that's for sure. So, credit to the players, they were really good, I thought. Um, Obviously, we, we get a bit of luck going the opponent down to 10 men. But um, I thought overall the performance was good. Nice to keep a clean sheet again and to come away with three points is fantastic for us. AC Milan nil, Chelsea two then. The Blues making it four wins from four and taking a big step towards the last 16 in the Champions League. How unlikely did that feel after Salzburg, he asked rhetorically. Uh, Let's hear the voice note that Simon sent us after he climbed all those stairs on Tuesday night. (laughs) Chelsea have secured the back-to-back wins over AC Milan. They're now top groupie and pretty much uh, qualification for the last 16 is very much in their hands. They've got the Red Bulls uh, Salzburg game next up away from home. Win that and I think mathematically, I've been trying to do all my calculations, I think it means they've hit the last 16, but the fact they've got the banker of uh, the home game against uh, Dynamo Zagreb. Oh, I just jinxed it there. Um, but they should do the job at home to uh, get to at least 10 points. But anyway, back to the game. You can hear the Milan fans singing to my right here. They haven't stopped throughout the entire match, despite basically the game being a little bit ruined, really, by the controversial decision by referee uh, Daniel Siebert in the 21st minute toward not only a penalty to Chelsea, 
Old boy Fikayo Tamori once scored an own goal in his first game against Chelsea. Didn't know the best of times last week. Well, he gives away a penalty against his old teammate, his old academy graduate teammate, Mason Mount, and gets sent off. It was one of those where it looked a bit harsh, but at the same time, as a defender, you put your arm up against an opponent, you give the referee a decision to make. Of course, it wasn't the only decision Seabert made. I think it's actually a miracle that it ended up with only one red card. It just seemed to be uh, handing out cards all over the place. Uh, the noise has increased because the Milan players are saluting their fans over to my right. Fantastic, really. What an atmosphere in here. But for Chelsea, it's four straight wins on the potter. Everything's going pretty swimmingly. And all of a sudden, uh, the season is looking far more upbeat. But I wouldn't say it was an amazing performance. It was a professional one. Who knows what the game would have turned out like if it remained 11 v 11. But once they went a man up, man a goal up with the same incident, there was really only going to be one winner. Textbook voice note that. Um, Simon, I just want to, before we get on to the game, you've mentioned it there and obviously we heard it, but what's it like watching a game at San Siro? Because that sounded deafening. The pre-match displays were great. As you say, they didn't quieten down. It is kind of bucket list stuff for a football reporter, right? Yes, it, it, and, and that's why I was, another reason why I was a bit flustered that I arrived later than I, I, I planned because I didn't get to enjoy enough of the pre-match stuff. But you could actually hear the the crowd within a mile of the ground. And as soon as you walked in, you just went, wow, you know, wow, what an atmosphere. I, I've only, that's only my second ever uh, visit uh, with Chelsea. The last one was 2010 when Jose's Inter beat Carlos Chelsea. And I just remember being outside the ground then and going, this is what this job's all about. It's, it's, it's occasions like this. And it's the same it was the same this time around that that you you were just in awe really of of, of the atmosphere. You know, Stamford Bridge has has had its nights, obviously, but but this ground is something else. And and I was even more impressed with the fact they just they just kept that the fans just kept going despite the game just going completely wrong for them. Yeah, fantastic. And but the thing is, AC Milan it, it also just brings you that kind of anyone that grew up sort of and and remembers the team in, in the eighties and nineties, even the early two thousands. You, you just know that this is a classic, one of the great old school football clubs, and you you're just delighted that they're back to where they where they belong, um, and also delighted that Chelsea did the double over them too. Yeah, that makes it a bit sweeter, doesn't it? And before we get on to the actual game, Sam, six changes here after seven on Saturday. Um, it, it's one thing to have the squad depth, which we've spoken about throughout this season, but it's another thing to be able to use it correctly, which I guess is even more difficult when you're only a few games into the job. So lots of praise for Graham Potter here. Definitely, because you know, prior to the Wolves game, I think it would have raised a lot of eyebrows and less so for, for this fixture because it, it proved to be... A successful way to go about things prior to Wolves, uh, getting a really good performance. I suppose you've still got that that energy probably amongst the group. Everyone's desperate to impress, you know, to make sure that they're in that that eleven for the for the big games ahead. Um, so you've got that healthy competition. But no, he's he's rolling the dice really really well so far. And um, yeah, I mean it's it's fortunate how the game played out, isn't it? Because they were kind of in third gear from, from the, the sending off. That's what it looked like to me. They probably could have gone on and, and won more handsomely, but the necessity wasn't there. So another really positive night, but you know, bigger test ahead. And that, that squad will, it will be tested and, and he'll have to, he'll have to figure out his, his preferred start in 11. I'm sure when he starts taking on some of the bigger guns in the league. Yeah, great game management once it got to 2-0, certainly. Uh, the penalty, we've all had time to watch it repeatedly. Definitely a penalty, I think, Simon. I just wonder what happened to that double jeopardy rule. Is that just a Premier League thing? Because weren't we going to say that penalty was punishment enough in that situation? Or was it, you know, different rules for Champions League or denial of a goal-scoring opportunity? Was yeah. it harsh to send him off, basically? It is harsh in terms of what we all want to see a game of football, but... The double jeopardy rule is about you've got to make it. It's a yellow card if you make a genuine attempt to win the ball, and and that the nature of that challenge is not an attempt to win the ball, is it? Is to try and stop Mason from from getting his shot off. 
it's still soft, but you can understand why it was given. I mean, the referee. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what Sam thinks. You know, uh, being being an ex-player, ex-sent forward as well. But the moment a defender does sort of put the arm on the shirt or the the, the hand on anything these days, you are giving the dis, uh, the referee a decision to make. And he had the perfect view. And once he's decided it's a penalty, it's a red card because, as I said, it's. It is denial of a goal-scoring opportunity. But you couldn't help but feel disappointed for the occasion, for the game. It hadn't really got going yet. Um, you know, both sides were taking turns to sort of have a bit of spell with the ball, but were giving the ball away quite a lot. There weren't loads of chances. It was it was uh, evenly poised, to use a, to use a, uh, a cliche. And, and then it just, it just basically, that was it. That you essentially thought, well, that's game over then. I mean, credit to Milan, they actually responded really well. I mean, they had some chances. I mean, Giroud, of all people, you know, free header, you'd expect him to bury it. Um, it was almost like the ex-Chelsea players were doing their old club a favour. <laughs> Tamori getting sent off, Giroud missing. He had, a, he had another free header about five minutes later from a corner, which he didn't do very well with. Um, so there goes my all Giroud could still be doing a job for Chelsea uh, manager. <laughs> I still think he could. He, he's quality, but but yeah, it, it. I really felt sorry for Tamori, especially when you you know how desperate he is to impress Gareth Southgate ahead of the World Cup, and and he unfortunately say probably his two worst moments in an AC Milan shirt against his old club. Yeah, and stark contrast, I think, between he and, and Trevor Chalaber still yet to lose a game that he started for Chelsea and sliding doors and, and all that. Um, Sam, can we agree that as well as he played, giving Mason Mount player of the match when he was subbed at half-time is absolute <laughs> nonsense. Straight red, isn't it? Whoever decided that. Uh, he was amazing, though. Speaking to a, a former uh, youth team teammate of mine the other day about Mason Mount and just saying he does... He does everything so correctly. Um, the tempo he plays at, the, the pass selection, the pace he puts on everything. He's just must be an absolute dream. And um, yeah, I mean, I heard him speak about it after the game, you know, in his post-match. And he talks about it in such simplistic terms. His job is to get between the lines and link the midfield and the attack. And he's doing that brilliantly at the moment. I watched a little four or five minutes of highlights of him in the wake of this game and that ability to take the ball on the half turn is just such a lovely knack. Uh, enables him to play forward. He's taken the ball on that half turn and got shots away and scored goals, I think, in the Champions League last year or maybe the previous season. He got one. And it, it made me think about Loftus-Cheek's little cameo the other day. As good as he was, if Loftus-Cheek could just turn and play forward a little bit more, um, even when he receives the ball in the 18-yard box, I think sometimes he... He looks for that extra pass and it frustrates the life out of me. And if he could just be a little bit more positive with that initial turn, the initial pass, we could see Loftus-Cheek reach a, a, an, an even higher level than he's he's currently operating at. So, yeah, I thought both of those guys, absolutely brilliant the other day. But, yeah, especially Mason Mount for those, those 45 minutes. Just another quick point on Loftus-Cheek. I don't know what Simon thinks, but when there's a bit more space he can absolutely dominate games and playing against 10 players the other day probably suited him because maybe that's that safety in playing sideways and playing back comes when it's a bit congested when he's got that space to burst into I mean there's there's few better sites and also I was thinking about an old teammate of mine Simon might remember Rob Wollaston the name he made a few appearances in the first team so similar in in stature ability um physique Rob was unbelievable but he frustrated the life out of me. He had a great non-league career, but he could have, you know, I don't know if he had that um, uh, drive maybe. You know, I'm not doing him a disservice here, but, you know, I, I sometimes struggled for that, uh, that mental strength that you need at the highest level. And Rob had so many good attributes that he should have, it should have led to a first-team career at Chelsea. And Loftus-Cheek, of course, is having a much better time of it international playing in the Premier League but I don't want him to be someone who doesn't fulfil his potential because he's so glorious to watch when he's on it and I thought that was a that captured it the other night in the last 20 minutes or whatever it was 
there is a perception, isn't there, Simon, that he's a pretty laid-back guy, Loftus-Cheek. And, and you think about one of one of the last Tuchel quotes on him saying, I'm, I'm reluctant to praise him because every time I praise him, he dips a little bit. And, and that's something which, if he can iron that out of his game, I mean, there's still half a chance he could go to the World Cup, isn't there? Injuries permitting. Uh, yeah, there is an outside chance. He, he's certainly um, staging a very sort of little case in the background. You wouldn't say there's a massive momentum behind him, but... He's having a good good spell here. He, he he's playing refreshingly. He's playing quite a lot this season, uh, and Graham Potter seems to be continuing that um, that trend. I've always been a big big admirer of, of Loftus Cheek, but like Sam, also been frustrated because, and like Thomas Tuchel, like probably all these other Chelsea, you, you feel like there's that final final thing that's missing to take him to fulfil his potential, his full potential. Um, he is the most laid back in the world. I'm sure I've said this on the pod before, but I mean, I interviewed him before England's World Cup semi-final against Croatia in 2018. And, and we're talking like a few days before the biggest game for, for England, certainly since uh, Euro 96, perhaps Italia 90. And... Ruben actually been sort of coming on, sort of getting game time during that tournament. And I sort of said, Ruben, you know, how are you feeling? You know, are you nervous? Are you, you know, this is such a massive game. He was like, yeah, all right. I said, are you, are you sleeping okay? I was like, yeah, I sleep sound. And it was just so, so chilled out. And, and the FA press officer at the time, he was, he was listening in, went, yeah, Ruben Loftusheet is the most laid back member of the entire squad. It's just totally nothing phases him. And and that's a clearly a positive because football is a pressured environment, but you also suspect it's a bit of a negative that sometimes it's just so so on the beach, you know, chilling out that it's like, come on, you know, let let's let let's go there. But I just want to quickly quickly add on Mason Mount. It's very key, I think, that he's one of only two players along along with Kepper to start every game under Potter. And there there was quite an outcry, quite a an amount of concern about the way he started the season. People, you sort of, or oh, even the desk were like, oh, shall we write about this? I said, no, no, I think just, just bide your time. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, he, he, Mason's too good to, to go through. Yes, he's human. He's going to have dry spells, but um, the last few, few games, he's just shown why um, he's one of the best players in the squad. Uh, while we're talking Cobham kids, Conor Gallagher came on at halftime, did pretty well. Simon, what's the latest on, on Rhys James? Off injured here. The perception, as we record on Thursday morning, seems to be that it's not as bad as first feared. Yeah, it is like, it's like watching Wesley Fofana all over again, um, even with the sort of awkward sort of fall under a challenge. And the needless playing on for a couple of Needless yeah. play, you know, having a chat on the side, like, oh, yeah, let's play on, make it worse for a bit. And then, then <laughs> and he sort of goes, no, not again. To be honest, I was a bit encouraged the way Potter talked about it afterwards. He didn't sort of sound as worried as he did over Fafano. And of course, that was only, that's only proved to be sort of a four week by the sounds of it job. But yeah, at, at the moment, it, it sounds just like he's jarred his knee. It doesn't sound too bad, which is good for England as, as well as Chelsea because suddenly. They're right back options. They had loads, and they, they were sort of suddenly down to Kieran Trippier, all of a sudden for the World Cup or something. But but no, I, I think he'll be back sooner rather than later. Um, Potter will give a final update at the press conference on Friday. But I think that's huge because, as we all know, Rhys James, like Mason Mount, is is one of Chelsea's best players, and they need him in that team. Yeah, it shouldn't be too much of an issue if he misses Villa at the weekend. We'll look ahead to that game later. But Sam, as our resident number nine, how much did you love that finish from Aubameyang? <laughs> Just that, that classic, ruthless centre-forward. Out the way, Raheem. This <laughs> one's mine. <laughs> yeah, I probably did that to a few of my teammates in my time. What I loved about it, um, I worked with a guy called Willie Donaghy, who was Joe Royal's um, right-hand man, famous Scottish footballer. And... Um, Willie used to be on at me all the time about anticipating rather than reacting. And we used to do these bizarre exercises in the gym, basically just having your your weight forward and just, you know, being on the front foot, not taking a little half step sideways or backwards so you steal the march on the defender. And I thought that was a, a perfect example of, 
of that from Aubameyang, someone whose muscle memory is probably just so in sync with what you need as a goal scorer. All his weight forward, anticipated. I think it was was it Hernandez. I think the the defender that um, the the left back that Joe Cole ripped apart post match on BT. He doesn't know what day it is, and both Sterling has reacted, and Aubameyang is on a different level to even Sterling. And then I love the the strong side foot. This bit of disguise on it as well. The keeper didn't know which direction it was going to go. Thought it was a brilliant goal. Almost one you just think, wow, that just looked effortless. But it's actually a brilliant, brilliant finish. So, yeah, I'm um, I'm really enthused about him. I know he doesn't get too involved in the build-up. It's not, you know, by any means going to be the type of performances we saw from Drogba or Diego Costa. But he's going to keep getting his name on the score sheet, which is, I think, mouth-watering for what the Chelsea fans have had to sit through the, the last few years. It's um, it's a, a lovely knack. And it reminded me of of uh, a lot of time at the training ground at Ipswich where they were on at me because I was a little bit like that. Something would happen and then I'd react. And you, you can't afford to do that at the top level because the ball's at the other end of the pitch. System seems to suit him perfectly, doesn't it, Simon? Because he's got runners around him, whether that's Mountain Sterling in this case or or Pulisic or whoever who can who can do the hard work and mean that he can focus on what he's great at, playing between those posts and finishing the chances when they come. Yeah, but uh, I would say like I have noticed him sort of dropping deep to get involved and 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 so on. I, I just think so far again a bit like last week. I'm, I'm sort of I'm, I'm very uh, reluctant now. I've been scarred too many times to go overboard, but it's a very, very promising start. And he, he seems to be genuinely enjoying being a Chelsea player. And of course, Chelsea have a pretty good record of getting the best out of ex-Arsenal players. So they'll be hoping that they've uh, they've got another one here. And it's certainly a, a very, very encouraging start. What's impressing you most about Potable, Sam? Is it the kind of short, crisp passing, one-two touch, off we go? Is it the way that they're swarming opponents in midfield? Something else that you've noticed? I think it's quite early, really, isn't it? Um, especially the amount of players that he's he's utilised in these opening games. I think it's just more offensive, isn't it? It's um, it's a little bit crisper, as you said, the passing, and, and they're probably just trying to attack, get a few more bodies into the box, play forward with a bit more of a tempo. Um, that's not to say that. Thomas Tuchel was was negative, but I think the, the the platform of the side was always very very solid, and there's probably just a few little uh, adjustments there. I, I would say, along with aligned with yeah, a bit of a cliche, but when there's a new voice, new people to impress, inevitably that gets that gets everyone's juices flowing. So Cobham is probably high tempo at the moment every training session because you don't know if the manager entirely fancies you quite yet so everyone's trying to make sure they're going to be in the team for the big games ahead um so it's probably a healthy appetite on the training ground aligned with one or two ideas but i think the proof will be in the pudding in in a month or two won't it yeah certainly um refreshing slash still getting my head around the fact that chelsea's manager's called graham and is from solihull um this kind of links into your post-match piece after the milan game simon athletic.com slash chelsea pod the place to go to sign up to read it if you aren't a subscriber it'll only cost you a pound a month for your first six months you were comparing graham potter's start with with other chelsea managers how does he rate yeah i mean i appreciate and i kind of I kind of do do the caveat in the piece. It's, it is quite early, um, and and also it's it's um, it, it comparing sort of opponents and so on and so forth. But I, I just thought it's quite interesting because you sort of think, oh, he's got off to a good start, but then you sort of think, yeah, but how many other Chelsea managers got to, good, to a good start? So top of the table was Maurizio Sarri, um, <laughs> with uh, that he was one of three managers to to, to have won all five, um, but he also did so with with the better goal difference, etc. But but Graham Potter, I rank, I, I think he's fifth at the moment. Uh, there's he's tied with quite a few with a win percentage, admittedly. Um, but I, I then also did another table of of managers that have arrived during the season because someone's been sacked, and he's second, only behind Gus Hiddink, um, Gus Hiddink part one. So he, he, you know, it is a good start, but that's all it is. I just thought it was quite interesting to sort of see, see where he ranked in the list. Um, is there much to read into it? I mean, it's quite interesting that there's the sort of like 
I completely didn't realise that Mourinho's second spell didn't actually get off to a very good start. He only won two of the first five. You just think, oh, he was, he was, uh, he was bang on it right from the start of the second time around as well. But no, that was a little horse season, right? Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, then blowing, uh, but then going on to blow the title race, in my opinion, sort of in in the, in the stretch. But it is a good start. It's I even asked. It was the final question of the the press conference um, post-match. And you're not going to get much out of Graham Potter. I think it's very, very early days, but you're already going, right, it is going to be the team doing most of the talking here, not 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 Graham. But I, I wanted to sort of go, oh, is this better than you expected? Because I don't think we should underestimate the state Chelsea were in when he took over, um, confidence-wise, but also their position in the Champions League group, you know, we, we were kind of getting a bit worried. One point out of two with back-to-back game, the toughest game of the group with AC Milan. Now they're top of that group. They've gone from bottom to top. And the Premier League as well, people going, oh, it's going to be a struggle to finish in the top four. Again, it's only been three league games, but he's won the three and now they're in the top four. He has made an instant impact. Obviously, the challenge is, is to sustain it. You know, a lot of new managers come in and get a bit of a new manager bounce. But I'm liking what I'm seeing. And I just back back up what what you guys were just saying there. It's the going forward element, the sort of actually trying to score goals. Um, the goal scoring, the goals for column is looking a lot better. Games feel a bit less of a grind than they, than they started to become under Thomas Tuchel. So Chelsea can qualify with a game to spare if they win in Salzburg. Quite a turnaround. If I just take my headset off and put my Chelsea TV hat on, I would say, if you want to learn a bit more about Graham Potter, the club released a video this week to coincide with World Mental Health Day. It's Potter sitting down with Jorginho, Magda Eriksson and Bashir Humphreys, one of the academy players, um, and talking about various approaches to, to football and mental health and how that works. It's really interesting and you get to know a bit more about him. So um, check that out if you are so minded. Right, you know the drill in October. Listen, another game just round the corner. Next, we'll look ahead to Sunday's trip to the West Midlands. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Aston Villa versus Chelsea, 2pm kickoff on Sunday. Chelsea looking to make it five wins in a row, while Steven Gerrard's villains have slipped, get it, to 16th in the table after a run of one win in their last seven league games. They've only won twice all season. That said, Sam, they have drawn at home against Man City, so they can be obdurate on occasion. Um, I saw them on Monday night in the flesh, and they were uh, limper than last (laughs) night's noodles, but you'd expect them to probably stick everybody behind the ball here, no? Quite possibly. Yeah, I didn't manage much of that game, to be honest, Matt. So you have my sympathies. I thought it was interesting post-match, actually. I don't think he really had anywhere to go, Gerard, but he has hung the old front players out to dry, um, which I think is quite an interesting dynamic for the weeks ahead. He's basically, without naming them, you know, because you look at the defensive record, I think they've only conceded 11. And the excitement, for use of a better word, when... They kind of got Ings and Coutinho and Watkins and Buendia all in the same squad, I think was was evident a year or so ago. So they're underperforming hugely. Coutinho came in for some criticism after that, that game at Forest. So it's obvious where their struggles are, yeah. So they're under pressure to produce, definitely. Um, so what 
he goes with in terms of his attacking lineup. We'll have to wait and see. But um, that kind of criticism will probably be ringing in their ears. Um, and I think the supporters are teetering on the edge. It sounds like I saw a little bit of a reaction to the performance at, at Forest from some some fans. I think they were calling for his head at a full-time whistle. So they need a performance. So it's whether the fans come out to support him or they turn up like they did towards the tail end of Steve Bruce's tenure with their fruit and veg. <laughs> they are actually four unbeaten coming into this game, but they've drawn three of those. I guess it's it, it's um, a less pressured game in a way for, for Gerard, isn't it, Simon? Because they're not expected to get the points. I'm just looking at their upcoming fixtures. Away to Fulham, home to Brentford. They, they might be games where he feels the heat a little bit more, whereas this one, as, as I say, as he did against City, set out to get a point if you do so. That's fair enough. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> But I, I, I don't think the fans will see it that way because they're, they're, they're going into this game already with a tense mindset that they're not happy with what they're seeing. Saying that, I've been to Villa Park quite a few times over the years and Aston Villa do have a knack of, of raising their game when Chelsea come to town. So, you know, it, I still think this is going to be another test of the Graham Potter era early start to his, his campaign. So Chelsea are going to have to be on it. The, the, the thing is, I, I'm not, I don't know whether you're going to ask about, oh, who's going to play and all this. I, I'm not going to say anything anymore. Uh, I remember last week that you were asking me this question and I went, oh, he's, he's got to, he's got to stick with the, you know, most of the team that, that destroyed Milan. You know, you're not going to drop a Bamiang, you know, with, you, know, you want to keep that momentum and then turn up and Bamiang's not starting. So, I wouldn't be surprised if there's another six changes and different formation and, and all sorts. So it's going to be a lot harder to predict teams and lineups from Graham Potter. <laughs> Sam, who's he going to play in all that? Um, specifically, <laughs> is is Kepa, Kepa's Chelsea's number one now, right? And and it wouldn't be a Thursday edition of Cobham if I didn't ask you if Armando Breuer might get a start. <laughs> he may do. You take lead from the Wolves game, maybe, from clutching at straws. Pulisic, I think, has got an important goal at Villa Park before. Probably deserves an opportunity in the league. So, yeah, I think we're not going to know because we're not privy to what's going on in the office, what the game plan is going to be today and and tomorrow. He'll come up with a a formula, won't he? We've seen that already, that he's happy to mix up the shapes and what have you. Um, So I would be very much on my toes going back to Cobham if I was Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Gallagher, Pulisic, because it's very likely that we'll see... A couple of them, maybe all three of those for, for this game. And he's going to have a decision to make at, at full-back if Reese James doesn't make it at wing-back. So you might see Azpilicueta playing as well. And um, I think that's an area that you, that you can hurt Villa. So you do want, in an ideal world, really attack-minded full-backs or wing-backs playing because I think they're quite narrow. Aston Villa try and congest the midfield area. So, yeah. And their full-backs do really push on, Matty Cash in particular. So I thought it would have been a good afternoon for... Reese James and Ben Chilwell to fill their boots, but it may be down to some others. Uh, Chelsea got more points away from home than they did at Stamford Bridge in the Premier League last season. Just looking at the away results so far this term, Simon, Milan's the only one that's been convincing. And that came with the caveat of the sending off less than 20 minutes in. Obviously, Palace was a, a last minute job. Everton on the opening day, there was a, an element of fortune. And then three of the worst performances of the season, Leeds, Southampton and Dinamo Zagreb. Um, Back-to-back away games coming up now, aren't there, against Villa and Brentford. So it's going to be interesting to see if Chelsea have added that that bit more steel on the road that maybe we haven't seen at the start of the season. Yeah, um, good point. Um, but those three bad performances were in the dying embers of Thomas Tuchel. So we're yet to sort of really, you know, it's too early to gauge what, what Potter's Chelsea on the road is going to be like. Obviously, that just that one one game away from home in the league with Crystal Palace, but then they have gone to the San Siro and won there. Um, but yeah, this this would be a genuine sort of, um, we'll get some more insight into where the Chelsea are a bit tough. It, it's strange because, you know, normally you, you wouldn't sort of, you wouldn't, you wouldn't sort of think the away form would, would, would be a problem for Chelsea. Um, there was actually a period, I think, I think last season where the away, away record was better than, Better than the home form. I think you've just said that, haven't you? Um, <laughs> Switched on, yeah. Um, yeah, this brain. I'm, I'm still walking those 500 miles in, <laughs> in Milan uh, and uh, I won't even tell you about the, 
I, I entered the wrong. I'm going off on a tangent. This is a classic <laughs> Johnson tangent. So, so right. So there's no trains. I can't get back to my car in Wimbledon uh, on Saturday. But I enter in my map on my phone. I go right. Okay, we're going to walk it because the bus. Basically, I got on a bus, and the bus was it was gridlock. It was gridlock. It, was, it won't go anywhere. So I went right. I'm going to walk. So I, I typed in the name of the road that I'd parked my car on, and I could have sworn I'd entered Wimbledon, right? So anyway, it, I, I was I was like, right, I'm really, yeah, I'm walking. This is going good. I can see the time, the distance coming down. At no point did I think, hang on a minute, there's no actual signs to Wimbledon. You know, even getting closer and closer to my destination is still sort of... But I'm so intent on walking... Anyway, I basically ended up in Sheen. Uh, I, I basically walked through Richmond upon Thames, and, <laughs> and and it was only then that I sort of went, "Hang on a minute, this doesn't feel right." And um, I typed in where my car was, and it was another three and a half miles away. <laughs> Should have put it on the group side, but that's my manner. Could have helped you there, mate. Oh. So anyway, that was like that was like the equivalent. So I've been walking for an hour and a half, or whatever, however long it was, an hour and fifteen minutes. That was like the equivalent of a, I don't know, last minute winner for the opposition or something. You just oh, yeah. I was going anyway, to say, I was going to say that that was a bit like uh, a Maurizio Sarri Chelsea team, are just aimless, going nowhere, and then ended <laughs> yeah, up in the wrong direction. That's um, a much better analogy. Yes, I've had time to give you a proper answer on Broya now. Okay. Um, if he sees Havertz as a centre-forward, as Aubameyang's deputy, then he's probably going to have to wait for his first-team debut in the in the Premier League start. Um, if he sees Havertz playing a different role, then he may put Broyer in. But those two, Aubameyang and Havertz, are probably going to flip-flop. So if Havertz got the nod at the weekend, for example, Aubameyang will be rested, ready to go for the Brentford game, and so on and so forth. So I would love... Chelsea probably to have Port Vale at home in the first round of the League Cup, but it's Manchester City, isn't it? So it's probably going to be sporadic appearances until maybe um, a little bit of a gimme, if there's such thing. So all the listeners appreciate Sam actually getting back to the point of talking about Chelsea. Um, all I wanted to add to what Sam just said is, obviously I wrote about Havertz at the weekend, got, got a bit of stick as I always do because oh, he's so negative. Um, <laughs> which they're probably right. But I'd be very interested to know whether the whole fan base, who would they prefer to be back up to Bamiang? Broyer or Havertz? You know, the way I'd like to see, maybe I've given the game away, but I'd like to see more of a more Broyer um, as. You know, I just think the goal that he scored agree, against yeah. Wolves, he just went, I want to see that. Havertz, Havertz, I think he's a really good player and I didn't want this to come the wrong way with the piece I wrote. But I I still think here we are in his third season, we still don't know what his best position is. And, and it feels like it's one of those players and it's not his fault. It's one of these players that, and, and you see it over time, you know, other players have had this problem, that they're so good, but where do they fit in in a team um and i think that's one of the one of the things that the potter has to figure out is how to get the best out of Havertz because i don't think we we see it enough as, as i wrote earlier in the week yeah he'll look great when he's at juventus uh, in a couple of years time <laughs> i'm sure anyway aston villa versus chelsea that is two o'clock on sunday we'll react to it in monday's pod this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, it's looking like Mission Impossible for the under-19s in their bid to qualify for the knockout stages of the UEFA Youth League. They lost 3-1 against AC Milan on Tuesday. Charlie Webster equalised with a penalty on 84 minutes, but Milan scored two late goals. Means that Chelsea need to win their final two games. They're yet to record a victory. That would give them some chance of making the playoffs, but even then, they'll need help from elsewhere. Uh, this weekend, the Dev Squad hosts Manchester United in PL2. No game for the under-18s, though. 
The WSL does return this weekend. Emma Hayside go to Everton on Sunday. Melanie Loipoltz won't be involved. She gave birth this week. Congrats to her. Sleep is overrated. The first 18 years are the hardest, etc., etc. Props too to Lauren James. She made her first start for England in Tuesday's friendly draw with the Czech Republic. She hit the post. It finished 0-0. Commiserations, though, to Sophie Ingle and Erin Cuthbert, both of whom lost out in World Cup playoffs on Tuesday. Ingles, Wales beaten after conceding in stoppage time of extra time against Switzerland. Brutal. Whilst Cuthbert and Scotland lost 1-0 to the Republic of Ireland despite having 72% possession and 19 shots at goal. A Scotland team that couldn't finish off chances. Who would have thought it? Uh, Right, rapidly becoming the most played fixture in the Cobham quiz. It's Johnson versus Parkin, part 712 next. Right, last week's was epic, wasn't it? Went to a tie break, which Lucy had to um, hastily think up. She's going to have to do something similar here today, potentially. Um, Simon, you're up first. Jorginho scored a penalty on Tuesday night. He bagged two of them at Villa Park last season. Against whom and when did he score a non-last score, a non-penalty goal for Chelsea? So I'd like the year and the opponent, please. Oh, that's a great question, which I'm not going to... Well, you got them all too easy last week, so I've tried to step it up a bit today. Yeah. Um, Yeah, thanks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to say I don't know. I'm not going to keep everyone waiting whilst... Steel potential here, Sam. You're an opponent. (laughs) No chance. I can't even visualise Jorginho... Shooting, yeah, shooting. Watford, Watford at Vicarage Road. Incorrect. It was the winner Arsenal in December 2019 <laughs> under Frank Lampard when uh, Bernd Leno had one. As I think oh pilots. yeah, yeah. It, yeah. The, the, was it a set piece and it went over? Keeper yes. game missed it. Jorginho tapped it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he's the first player in Premier League history to have ten or more consecutive goals come from the penalty spot. As a Useless facts for you to bore your friends with. Uh, Sam, here's your first question. Which defender made his Chelsea debut in the League Cup tie against Aston Villa last season? Please with this. Nobody's got one straight off the bat yet. League Cup tie. Uh, Saar. Oh, very good. Malang Sar well done. is the correct yeah. answer. Um, that's, that's impressive stuff. Uh, Simon, here's your question. You're going to like this. I love, I love how Sam celebrates like he's playing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Just smack one in at the, the back post. Yeah. Well, look, we might we might hear about his exploits at five-a-side in a minute, so um, just oh. that one in the back pocket, Sam. Uh, here's your second question, Simon. Dave Besant kept goal for Chelsea on the Blues' first visit to Villa Park in the Premier League back in September 1992. The following season, Besson severed a tendon in his foot when he dropped a bottle of which condiment on it? I'm, I'm afraid this is this is one of those infamous anecdotes. Mm. Um, so it's uh, salad cream. Salad which, cream is um, absolutely correct. Which for listeners from abroad, I'm not sure whether you're aware of this. Fantastic. How would you describe it? It's like it's mayonnaise, a sweet... but a bit... Vinegary, yeah, I really like it. It's very eighties, but I'm a big salad. Cream it, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I, I'm married to an American, and to be honest, it looks like it's grounds for divorce whenever I get it out. So. <laughs> the salad cream that is. Uh, <laughs> Sam, are you a salad cream fan? Don't think I've ever had salad cream in my own house, flat, or my parents either. Wow, incredible! So there you go. Next time you have... Should have come uh, round, Simon, when you're in, in Sheen. That's the, <laughs> that's the type of environment I'm offering up. I don't live there anymore. but some salad cream at that point. <laughs> mayonnaise, like a, on, mayonnaise all the way around here, uh, mate. Well, very bitter. Uh, I needed some sweet. sweet something like a, a cheese and cucumber sandwich with a bit of ham or something. Smack some salad cream on that. If you have a baked potato with salad, salad cream's delicious. Anyway, what were we talking about? Chelsea and a quiz. Um, second question for you, Sam. Whose only Chelsea goal came from the penalty spot in a 4-0 win at Villa Park in 2016? Said player made just two appearances for the Blues. Twenty 
2016. I think I might know that. Mm. I don't know why, but I think I've looked up this game before. Or we've had this question before. He's definitely... Is he still playing? I think you asked me. I think it's Pato. It is Pato. Absolutely correct. Uh, Little Duck or something? He's still, I'm, sure, I'm sure we had a question about him, maybe where he was now. Okay. Yes, I think question, you're right. Anyway, just a little, uh, uh, little anecdote to that. I was at that game, and uh, when he came on, because he actually didn't start the game, the uh, the Chelsea fans in the away just started singing, we forgot that you were here, which <laughs> <laughs> so I thought was hilarious. Brutal. Uh, he is still playing, and you should know this, Sam, because he plays in MLS, which you cover a lot. He's at Orlando City. Yeah, I thought he was, yeah. Three not done goals for this season in MLS. Um, one of them was a penalty. His Wikipedia page, the picture of it, is actually him in a Chelsea shirt, so it must be a Chelsea fan who's edited that. Anyway, you got that right, Sam. So you're 2-1 up, so you need this, Simon. This is your third question. Which former youth teammate of Sam's made his Chelsea debut as a late sub in a League Cup tie against Villa in October 1998? That's a penalty without a goalkeeper. Yeah, it's... John Terry. Yeah. I mean, you helped him out there, Sam, a little bit. Um, but but it's, 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 an again, an infamous debut. Yeah, obviously, yeah. given what he went on to do, but why is why is red card for a tackle on Darren Byfield, or did he get away with it? Do you remember it? Bonus point. It's a horrendous <laughs> tackle. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Well, Dennis Wise getting sent off. I don't know if he got sent off, but he no. yeah, because I played with I played with Darren Byfield, and it, it always amuses me when I see the footage. <laughs> His face <laughs> is a picture. Uh, all right, that was Simon's tap-in. You can win it with this really easy question, Ooh. Sam. Uh, which former Chelsea striker scored against the Blues as Villa beat them 2-1 on the last day of the 2020-21 season? I can't believe it's going to happen. Triore. Uh, first name? Bertrand. <laughs> yes, that is correct. And well you've done, done it. Big victory. That uh, is huge. <laughs> Uh, oh, I love the tie-break question, so I'm going to ask it anyway that Luke's yeah, come on. up with. I actually knew this, Luke, because I prepped a Villa women's game recently. How many Instagram followers does Douglas <laughs> Luis's girlfriend and current Villa women's player Alicia Lehman have? Instagram followers. I watched them doing Mr. and Mrs. Yes, on their YouTube channel the other day. I watched that as well. We've got too much time on our hands. In I haven't. I'm normally doing that simultaneously trying to watch a game of football, but <laughs> the temptation to pick up your phone and watch rubbish is too strong right now. How many followers has she got? Uh, Alicia Lehman plays for Is this for Simon table. to give the scoreline a no, no, look of respectability? This, this is just for fun for us, if not the listener. Uh, Alicia Lehman, mid-table WSL player, bounced about a bit. Not really had a glittering career, but she's okay. She scored against Man City on opening day. Oh, um, 80,000. Sam? 300,000. 8.7 million followers. Oh, sorry. I, I was, I, I, there's a decimal point. Just leave it across. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. Sam's got the win. Uh, you can feel good. For the rest of the week, we'll get to the plug soon. But Sam, I want to hear about what happened at uh, the local Fiverr side the other night. Oh, I was just going to give Don Firefield some stick there. Okay, go for it. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it, Firefield. Is that the <laughs> terminology? Yeah. Um, Fiverr side. Yeah. Uh, I don't like to talk about it, Matt. No, I've, I've played twice, which is probably twice in the last seven or eight years I would say physically I'm feeling a bit better after my second run out but yeah I scored quite a lot of goals the other night so uh, I may need to um, and I got scouted as well <laughs> one of the chaps asked me to play at a more competitive level on a Monday evening which I couldn't <laughs> wait to show was it Joe uh, Royal <laughs> I couldn't wait to show my my girlfriend the text when I got back never <laughs> never too late is it never too late <laughs> guys in the long coats are still uh, casting an eye of my uh, two-footedness <laughs> A hat trick within the opening five minutes, I think, was what the message that I received said. <laughs> um, right, we've spoken about Simon's piece on the post Milan game and, and Graham Potter's start. What else are you working on, Simon? Um, I am working on, if you remember, I did a, a, a piece on Cassidy a few weeks ago. All I'll say is I'm working on another one of, of the team. I won't tell you who. 
Ah, right. Okay. Also on the Athletic, Liam's got a piece up about how Graham Potter pulled Milan apart over two games. I also note this morning, Simon, that there's something from Michael Bailey, the Athletic's Norwich writer, saying that Chelsea speaking to sporting director for the Canaries, Stuart Webber. And David Ornstein's got a piece on looking at Southampton's recruitment chief, Joe Shields, and uh, Chelsea's interest in him. So basically what I surmise from that is that they are casting the net far and wide as they look to <laughs> yeah. um, fill these positions. Yeah, I mean, it's it's... It's not been uh, it's not been dull. I mean, they've they've been looking. I mean, I had been told that they were looking Premier League and and across Europe, and they've certainly lived up to that that billing. I, I think it's it's quite interesting those two names that they, that, they, that they're looking at now. Um, both young, both sort of, but with good good CVs behind them. Um, Stuart Webber's reputation has taken a bit of a knock, hasn't it, over the last year? Didn't he go and climb a mountain when he should have been signing players for Norwich or something? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I suppose you could say Norwich, Norwich have climbed and fall, fallen down a few mountains in <laughs> in recent years, but it sounds like it fits into that they're looking for this sort of collaborative, sort of new thing. Graham Potter's going to have a say in all of this as well. He, he's obviously going to have his ear to the ground on on who works works well. So. Yeah, let's just see what develops. I'm, I'm, I think that there's been so many favourites and, and they seem to be in contention I, I, until it, it's almost getting like a player signing at the moment, like the transfer market with the, the structure. But it's just, um, yeah, Ch- Chelsea, Chelsea they're, they're, they're continuing to do a lot of business even though um, it's not on the playing side. It's now trying to get this structure in place which will serve Chelsea for the long term. Well, The Athletic is the best place to keep up to date with exactly how that search goes and concludes. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up for just a pound a month for your first six months. You at a game this weekend, Sam? I am, yeah. Uh, Luton QPR Saturday. Uh, and well, that's a so- battle for your heart, isn't it? Goodness it is. me. Team where it- you won your only trophy versus the team you supported as a boy. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a big game. Big game, definitely. And then I am Southampton West Ham on Sunday, followed by an MLS game. Thankfully, not Orlando. Um, that's why Pato's existence at the club had escaped my memory. Good stuff. We'll be back on Monday when we'll uh, discuss what happened in that Villa game. There's a midweek match in the Premier League too at Brentford on Wednesday night that we'll be previewing. Join us for that if you can. Until then, from us all, goodbye. Speak to you soon. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub an official partner of The Athletic.